Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. So good to see you today, whether you're in the room, Auditorium 2, joining us online or by way of television. So glad that you are here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15 today. Luke chapter 15, we are in a series of messages that we've called Coming Home. We have been taking kind of a a detailed look, a deep dive, if you will, in the story of the, the prodigal son that Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15. This chapter is filled with kind of these, these themes of looking for things that are lost and then celebrating them when they're found. Three stories that Jesus tells. This one is the third. And there's really three main characters that have been in this story so far. It talks to us about the father. And so we've looked at the loving father the last two weeks. The first week we talked about God's love for us. And then last week we looked at how how do you respond? How do you pray when you can relate to the father who's on the porch? When you're the person with the heartbreak, the person on the porch who's watching and waiting for someone to come home, how, how do you respond? And if you know that heartbreak or you know someone who does and you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you to go back, whether on Facebook, YouTube, go to our website, it's littlecalvary.org, and uh, get a chance to listen to that message. I, I have heard um, just so many ways in which God has been using this 2,000-year-old uh, story <laughs> in a brand new, fresh way in people's lives. And I wanna encourage you, if you are praying for someone in your life, your family, uh, a friend that's far from home, you know that God is pursuing them, right? Right. That God loves them. Thursday night, we have a Thursday night service. Uh, It's just like Sunday morning. It's the first service of our weekend if you've never been. So if you're gonna be out of town on the weekend or if that works better for your schedule, that's a a great opportunity. So our Thursday night service this week, I preached, you know, the message I'm about to preach was walking out the the doors into the, the lobby area right outside the auditorium here. And this lady that I've never met before says, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. Long story short, she says, look, I'm not from Toledo, I just happened to kind of be in town today. I noticed that you had a Thursday night service. I just felt like I should be here. I walked in, I sat down, you started preaching a message I never expected. I'm the prodigal, I'm the one who's far from home, and I just know God's calling me back home and I need to get right with him tonight. Isn't that awesome how God does that? So if God knows how to bring someone from hundreds of miles away to just the right place to hear just the right message at just the right time, do you think he's pursuing your loved one as well too? And so we believe that, we know that. Um, Next week, uh, if, if you know someone who's far from home, or if you feel like you are in your own heart, Um, Next week's message is gonna be specifically looking at that younger son in this story, the parable of the prodigal son, so both Thursday the 4th and uh, Sunday the 7th. I hope you will invite someone to be with you in person, or maybe they live far from home, or maybe, maybe they're not comfortable yet to, uh, to come and be with us in the room. Uh, I encourage them to join us online. I think so many people, before they visit in person, they visit online and uh, check things out. And so we'd love to have you be with us next week. But today we're gonna take a little bit of a, of a different look. We're not gonna look at the father. We're not gonna look at the younger son. Today we're gonna look at the part of the story we haven't gotten to yet. Like we've only gotten up to verse 24 in Luke chapter 15. Today we're gonna look at the older son in this story. And uh, so let's just jump right in. Here's how the story begins, just to give it some context. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus has already told two stories and he gets to the third one. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. If if you're not familiar with the story, what happens from here is this younger son gets the the material things rather than the relationship with with his father. He cashes them out and he goes to the big city and he spends all that he has on immoral and reckless living, finds himself with no friends, no stuff, no hope, ends up at rock bottom, a good Jewish boy who is now feeding pigs, and he says, this is not where I wanna be. And so he decides to go back home, knowing he can't go back as a son after what he's done, but maybe his dad will give him a job. 
And when he gets home, and you remember the story, his dad sees him from a long way off and runs to him and hugs him and gives him the very best things and says, look, what I thought was dead is now alive to me again. And I, I thought my son was lost and he's found. So we are going to have a party. And when verse 24 ends, it says, and so they celebrated. That's good news, isn't it? That's fun. Now, this story is about a father who has two sons. And most of the time when we look at it, we, we focus on that younger, the, the one we call the prodigal. We focus on the younger son, so we call it the parable of the prodigal son. But we've already looked in two weeks that we could just as easily focus on the father in this story, couldn't we? And we could call this story the parable of the loving father. What we forget sometimes, though, is who Jesus was talking to when he told this story. Because when he told this story, he wasn't just talking to those who were far from home. He was talking to an audience who had actually come to hear what the spiritual teacher had to say. He wasn't just talking to religious prodigals. He was talking to religious people. He was talking to religious leaders, Pharisees, scribes, devout people, disciples. He was telling this story to people who were very religious and he wanted them to realize that maybe you'll see yourself in this story too. He wanted them to catch something that was there. I remember very clearly, um, nine years old, seventh grade, being a freshman in college, and having these different individuals that I encountered in my life, kind of that older high school guy when I'm a freshman in college, that college senior, that you just watch that person from a distance and you go, boy, I'd sure like to be like them. You see something in their life, some kind of trait that that older person has or that person that seems to have things together and you look at that person and you look at those good character qualities and you say, there's things in their life that I wanna have in my life. I sure would like to be like them. Anybody ever had that happen? Help me, is it just my issue or anybody else, right? <laughs> but you see people, I mean, I still do it today. I see certain people, I'm like, man, there's something in their life that I wish I had in mind. I would like to be more like them. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, I started with the positive so I could go to the negative. I also see other people sometimes, and I just go, no way, time out. I do not want to be like them. Can I get an amen? Okay, good. I'm not the only person like that, right? But oftentimes, I'll see other people, and I'll be like, hey, Rhonda, what, you ever see that in me? Can you call it out? Because I don't want that trait in my life. As we walk through this story, I, I think you'll recognize that the older brother is not the hero of this story, true? <laughs> What's a parable? Well, a parable is a story that Jesus tells about earthly, physical things so that we will get a spiritual, heavenly meaning. And so when we look at parables, one of the things that Jesus is doing is he's, he's holding up a mirror to us, and he says, do you, do you see anything you can relate to here? Do, do you see anything here that looks familiar? anything you can learn from. And when he's speaking to this religious audience, in this story, he holds up a mirror and he says, this older brother, can you see yourself here at all? Is there anything you see about yourself when we look at this story? Ever had somebody kind of walk up to you and maybe you know that you walk into a meeting or they kind of pass you in the hall or you see them somewhere and they go, hey, you're a, your, your collar's kind of messed up, or hey, you got a little, you got a little something on your, your shirt there, or hey, you've, your hair, if you could just fix your, fix your hair, just, the, just if, you, if, you're, if you're online, he's very, no hair, and um, <laughs> thanks, Joe, um, <laughs> right, you know, you ever had somebody do that, and they're like, and at first, you're, you're kind of a little bit like, well, you got your nerve telling me, you know, to fix my bald head, you know, or, or then you're kind of, sometimes you're a little embarrassed, maybe even offended, by that, but then afterwards you're kind of grateful. You know, they're like, hey, there's a thing that should be in your nose and it's right there on your cheek, right? You know, you ever had that happen? And they're like, oh, you've had it happen. And you're like, you're like, oh, there's a little, you got a little something right there. And you're glad they told you. Like, it's good that you know. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but in the next few moments, probably a pretty good chance that the Holy Spirit's going to go, hey, you got a, little, got a little something right there. 
You might feel a little nudge from the Holy Spirit. Just for the record, the person sitting next to you is not the Holy Spirit. So if they nudge you, look, you could just get thee behind me. You know, you can do that. But, 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 but. We're gonna take a look at this story. Jesus holds up a mirror. He says, do you see yourself here at all? We love to read this story and be wowed by the Father's love. But in the same way, are you willing to be warned by the older brother's attitude? So today we're gonna look at the older brother attitude and some red flags that will come up in our lives sometimes that maybe we need to pay attention to and watch for so that the things that we see in his life, we go, boy, time out, I don't want that in my life. I wanna be guarded against this. So four things that are older brother attitude, red flags that can come up in our lives. To see them, let's go back to the text and, and read how this brother responds, starting with verse 25 in our story. Remember when the story ended, the younger son had come home, dad's throwing a party, the last words there are, and so they celebrated, and verse 25 begins with, meanwhile, isn't that dramatic? <laughs> It's like you got this going on over here, and then it's like, meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, you've got this. The older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Well, of course he did. Like, he's out in the field. He didn't. It's not a holiday. I mean, what's, what's going, why, why, the, why the party? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Like, there's a, there's a party going on. But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out. Here's the second time in this story that the father has to leave his house because of the way his kids have behaved, right? <laughs> Don't make me come. So his father went out and pleaded with him, come on, son, come on inside. We're celebrating. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But, he says, when this son of yours, well, you got that part, huh? <laughs> who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Do you get that attitude there that he's got a little bit? <laughs> Let me show you real quick four what I would call older brother attitude red flags that we see in his life that can show up in our own as well. Here's the first one. Number one is what we'll just call stubborn anger. Number one, stubborn anger. Can anger be righteous sometimes, yes or no? Yeah, sometimes we can be angry for the right reasons. When we see injustice, when things aren't right, when God stirs something up in us. There are times when it's right for us to be angry. There can also be times when it's not, when we can have this stubborn anger. In fact, the word that's used there for anger can also be used in the Greek language of a tree when it has sap inside of it that is ready to burst out of the tree. Like it's, it's rolling inside it's bubbling. So his anger was so full inside of him that it was about to burst out of him and boil over. You ever been really mad? You ever had that kind of anger where literally you know why they say it's seeing red? You ever been so angry that afterwards you go, what did I say? <laughs> you ever had those moments? That's where he's at. Like he is just so boiling over with anger in this moment to the point that in this moment, he just says, nope, that's it. I am not going in there. And there's this stubborn anger that just fills him in that moment. When I, when I read that and kind of got a better idea of what this anger was like, it reminded me of when, when our kids were like really little. They were, they were, they were really young. We decided to go on a vacation and we went to Virginia uh, for a few days one summer in July. Virginia in July is just a paradise, you can imagine, right? <laughs> like it was hot. And so we went to Virginia Beach, we went to Williamsburg, like we did some fun stuff, we did the historical stuff. And then one day we took this, this bus tour of Washington, D.C. I love D.C. Like it's one of my favorite places, all the history, it's kind of a cool city and just, just all that neat stuff. So we go to Washington, D.C. on this uh, day 
in July, it was 167 degrees in the shade, right? So it's hot, right? It was, it was bad. And we're hitting all the high spots, right? And it was, it was cool. Our kids had never been there. Like their eyes are wide open because they're seeing the Capitol and Lincoln Memorial, Washington Monument. You need to go in all these different places. And so at one point, I think it was probably right about lunchtime if I remember right, we were on our way and we went to the World War II Memorial. Anybody ever been there? Raise your hand so I can kind of see, get it. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Cool spot. Right, because you got each state has its own kind of column or monument, and it's like this big circle with a plaza in the middle, and it's just, it's just, it's really, it's, it's moving, it's this powerful thing, and so we're walking around. And this was back in the day. Remember, anybody remember disposable cameras? Do you remember those? So like, like our kids all had disposable cameras, right? And they're taking pictures and they're taking it all in. And Rhonda and I have three kids, and as we're walking around, we look, and there's only two kids with us. And we're like, where, where is the third one? We knew we had three when we got here. When this war began, there were three kids. Where's the other one? And so I turn around, right in the middle of this plaza, right, just kind of just out in the middle, there's people everywhere. You got the monuments, there's coming and going. One of our kids was just sitting there like this. I walked over, I say, hey, what you doing? They looked at me and they said, I'm done. I am hot. I am bored, I am tired, and I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And they just sat there in the World War II monument, and I called him Hitler. I'm done. I'm not moving. And I kind of looked around and realized that we could still enjoy the place and keep an eye on him, and I said, okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to check this thing out, and we're, we're going to see it, and we'll... we'll We'll know if any enemy troops come and get you, and uh, so go ahead. If you want to stay stuck there, if you want to miss out on a good time, if you want to keep yourself separate from celebrating, making memories with your family, go for it. Guess that's on you. And they stayed stuck there in their stubborn anger and missed out on everything else that was going around. And when I read about this son who just had that anger boiling over inside of them. That was the picture that came to my mind. Because what happens if, if you allow yourself to stay stuck in that place is you'll go from number one to the second thing that we see in this story about this older son. Not only did he have number one, a stubborn anger, but number two, here's the second red flag, always right, never wrong. <laughs> kind of a second red flag of the older brother attitude that'll come up in our lives is when we're always right, and never wrong. We can be honest. Anybody know somebody like that? Go ahead, raise your hand. Anybody ever seen that person in the mirror? Go ahead, be honest, raise your hand. <laughs> right, where you're always right and you're never wrong. Do you remember the language that he has here? He has this language where he says, I have always been here <laughs> and I have never disobeyed you. Come on, for real? But he goes to this hyperbole he goes right to this, I have always done the right thing, not like my loser brother who did all this. And I have always been right. I have always done the right thing. And he lands in this place where he just says, I am always right and I'm never wrong. And if we're not careful, we'll get that same attitude with people. We'll start to kind of have that vibe about ourselves. Not only because it's human nature, not only because it's an attitude we see in the older brother that can come up in us, but let's just be honest, that attitude can be endorsed in our culture. It's real easy right now to put yourself in places where everything you hear in social media or watch on TV or the people you relate to become an echo chamber that what you think they think and what you think is true is all about you. And at some point, no matter what else is going on around you, you're always right and everybody else is not and you're never wrong. Have you seen that anywhere? <laughs> yep. And so we watch that that kind of attitude that can come up inside of us looks just like that older brother who had this stubborn anger, always right, never wrong. Here's the third thing then if we're not careful, if we stay stuck in that place, what'll happen, number three, is we become offended by unfairness. Anytime something that we call unfair comes our way, we immediately take an offense to it. Man, we push it at arm's length, or we get mad, or we fight for our rights, or we have to whatever. You know, and it comes out, and that offense comes out in this. 
And eventually it becomes a filter in our lives that we're always offended. Look, dad, are you kidding me? Have you seen this farm? Well, he's been off spending the inheritance. I've been right here working. And then my loser brother shows up. You kill Bessie the cow. I haven't even had Billy the goat. Right? You're inviting the whole neighborhood for this loser? I didn't even get a sleepover. I have been treated unfairly. Now I'm offended. Isn't that what we watch and see in this response from him? It's how we respond so many different times. And in our lives, if we're not careful, we are always looking for an offense. We're always looking to see who did me wrong, who stepped on my rights, who was out to get me. Where did I not get my fair shake on things? And we run in a vein if we're not careful. We're in our stubborn anger because I am always right and never wrong. When something comes my way that I think is unfair, I'm immediately offended and I just push back against it. And then if I'm not careful, if I stay there long enough, then what I always become is a victim. And I'm always kind of having this persecution complex. And somehow the world is always doing me wrong and I'm suffering, and so I just start pushing back on that suffering. I just start pushing back on that suffering. And can I tell you, if every time any suffering comes your way, if you start pushing back on it, that might be a good time for you to check your heart. What did Jesus say? He just, he just gave us a heads up. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Paul said that if we're going to follow Jesus, there will be times when you will suffer. Isn't that all true? In fact, if you go to the book of Romans 5, what Paul goes on to say is that when we suffer, we should go through that cycle of suffering and rejoice. Because in those moments, God's working something out in our lives that in the end is going to lead to blessing. But what happens so many times is a fence comes knocking on my door and I pull the blinds, I slam the door and I just push back against it instead of being open to say, God, what do you want to do in my life through this suffering? And if you're constantly running with the filter in your life of being offended or being done wrong or not being treated right, what you're actually doing is blocking the work the Holy Spirit might want to do in your heart through those difficult times. Does that make sense? This is where this older brother finds himself. Stubborn anger, always right, never wrong, offended by unfairness, which leads him to kind of this dangerous fourth kind of red flag that we might see in our lives. Number four, that you become dismissive of others. That you become dismissive of others. If there's someone who's not you, not with you, or not for you, then somehow they're less than you. They're lower than you. And somehow then you can respond however you want towards them. In that culture, didn't matter where and when, there was an expectation that if someone spoke to their father, they would do it with respect and, and with honor. And so you should speak to your father by saying, any, anything you would say, you would begin by saying father, or you would begin by saying sir. Do you remember how the son started his response to the father? <laughs> Did he say father? Did he say, sir? No, he said, look. <laughs> he jumped right into it. He didn't say, dad, can, can you help me out here? <laughs> he didn't say, father. He let what was so boiling up inside of him that the person who was actually there to try to help him, he refused and rejected with his rudeness. Look. And he dismissed him. And do you get the feeling that this guy actually regrets that his brother came home? He's not happy about it at all. And he dismisses his loser brother in the process of this whole thing. It's a tricky, tricky thing because he's finding joy in his brother's failures until his brother comes home and then he's just dismissive of him. I, I, I don't think you can rewrite parables. That's not my job, right? But imagine if things were different. We can kind of guess that when the father saw the son from where he was standing on the porch, the older son was in the backyard, let's say. But what if dad had been in the backyard and the older son had been on the porch when the younger son came home? How different would this story be? 
Well, look who's here. I can't imagine you have the nerve to walk down that driveway. What do you even think showing up here? Do you know what you did to dad? Do you know how you broke mom's heart? Do you know how I've had to live because of you? And then after you've gone off and had your good time, would you run out of money? Is that why you're here? So now you come back home? Nah, dude, that's not gonna fly. You know what you need to do? You need to turn around. You need to go back down that driveway, and when you get a real job and actually get your life straightened up, then you can come back. But nobody wants you around here. Not after what you did. So why don't you just get lost? Couldn't you imagine the story going that way instead? Because that's the heart he has in this moment. Let that sit for just a minute. Because if I give too much place in my life to a stubborn anger, to a prideful response that says I'm always right and never wrong, if I am constantly living in a place of offense that leads me to a point where I begin to dismiss others, it will become toxic in my life. And as we'll see in just a moment, will keep me from some of the very best things that God has for me. And look, when we talk about these things, we're looking at this story in the context of someone who is having a hard time dealing with the fact that who was far from home has come back. But can I tell you, these attitudes we're talking about, this older brother attitude doesn't just show up when someone is far from home. I often see it in the home. Right, I often see it in people's lives. These are the same attitudes that wreck marriages. And they're the attitudes that divide families. They're the attitudes that make places miserable to work in. And, and I'm thankful that I'm not saying this today because I'm trying to correct anything. I'm just telling you an observation. What I've seen in years of ministry over and over and over and over again, these are the same attitudes that will paralyze churches and keep them from God's purpose for them. So when you see these attitudes show up in your life, that's why they're red flags. For about 10 days, I've been fighting off a cold. Anybody else? Do, do you know, I'm, I've, I've heard it's going around. Anybody else? Misery loves company. Yeah. Just on the count of three, let's all just have a holy sniff. Okay? Right? Thanks, I needed that. So about 10 days ago, it was uh, after the Thursday night service a week and a half ago, I was, I was on my way home, and I was just like, I just don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel right. There's a little something in my throat. Do you know what I mean when you feel it coming on? Just a good old-fashioned cold, you know? And so, but, but I don't want to admit that because I am Superman, and so I ignored it. Friday, I ignored it Saturday, and then after church on Sunday, I was like, I'm, I'm not good. And I remember kind of, kind of, kind of being, kind of, and, and Ron is like, you okay? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, you know, kind of thing. And she's like, are you coming down? No, I'm fine, you know. And whenever you, you know, kind of, with me, the kids, when, whenever something, you, you're coming out with something, she throws open the cabinet and pulls out Rhonda's remedy, right? <laughs> she's got this little concoction, you know, like, and it's, it's, all, it's all Christian. Some of you are like, oh, I wonder what's in the concoction at the Gilligan's. It's, it's supplements and it's vitamins and it's something else I don't even know how to pronounce, right? But it's like, it's, it's all, you know, stuff you can probably find in the Old Testament, right? And so, and, and she like, you know, she should take this. And I'm like, I don't like doing that. That one smells nasty. I don't want to take it, right? Here's the deal. If I'll take it, I usually feel better faster. And the sooner I start taking it, the sooner I seem to come out of it. But I didn't want to take it Thursday, Friday, which is why I think I felt miserable Monday, Tuesday. The sooner I recognize the symptoms and deal with them, the less severe the effects of the sickness will be. Does that make sense? Good principle? The sooner I recognize the symptoms, the sooner I can deal with the sickness. I've done this long enough to know that there's two kinds of quiet for a preacher. There's the, you've lost them and they're sleeping quiet. That's most Sundays. <laughs> then there's the, the Holy Spirit is nudging some folks quiet. And I've, I think I've heard a little bit more of that today. That when we look at that attitudes of the older brother, some of you kind of go, um, I, think I, might, I think I might be, and the Holy Spirit's going, hey, you got a little booger right here, right, you know? So if you're there, if the Spirit's speaking to you about that older brother attitude that may be showing up in your life, what do you do? 
Well, I want to show you how the father addresses this in the life of the older son because when we look at his response, we get some remedies for what to do if you have that older brother attitude kind of popping up in your life. So let's go to this. Luke chapter 15. Remember, the son says, look, (laughs) I have always been right, never wrong, and I have been treated unfair by my loser brother, and now you, dad. To which the father responds, I love this, my son, the father said, He could have said, you shut your mouth. Couldn't he have? But that's not the heart of the father. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If you see some red flags of that older brother attitude popping up in your life, like I did in mine, let me give you some remedies, three remedies for an older brother attitude. Here's three remedies for an older brother attitude. Here's the first one. Number one, live in relationship with the father. If you're seeing something in your life that you don't like, the very first place for you and I to go is to say, are things good between me and the father? Because oftentimes that's the issue. (laughs) When I see selfishness pop up in my life, when I see anger popping up in my life, when I see frustration, more often than not, the reason is because I've allowed something to keep me from having good communication with the Father. Anybody else? Does that make sense? Here's here's what I want to show you because this is really cool when you see this. What happens is the Father says to him, son, everything I have is yours. Like you're getting yourself all worked up because your brother came home, but your brother coming home does not threaten your relationship with me. He doesn't take anything away from us. My son, I love you. Everything I have is yours. And if you'll get my heart, if you'll know me, that's gonna help you in this difficult time that you're having. Do you remember two weeks ago, When we looked at the love of the father, we talked about maybe why the prodigal actually left home in the first place. And we narrowed it down to the reason that he was so distant from his father was because he did not understand the heart of the father. Wasn't that the issue? Now we come to his older brother, and his older brother is outside the house. He is frustrated. He is angry. He has this conflict with his dad. And the reason he has conflict with his dad is actually... (laughs) for the very same reason, because he does not understand the heart of the Father. And you and I may oftentimes hypocritically be be judgmental of the person who's the prodigal and fail to realize that we actually have the same issue. That we do not understand the heart of our Father who loves us with compassion. And what happens is we allow insecurity to show up in our lives for whatever reason Because anger and frustration and that attitude often flows out of insecurity in our own lives, does it not? But if I will anchor my security to the Father and not to the things I'm going to get and not to what other people are doing, then oftentimes it makes a world of difference in my life. I've I've told this story, I think, several times before, but it it was what just came to my mind right away. I was about six, seven, eight years old. I don't remember exactly, and it was my birthday and so we had a finished basement, and we were down in the basement, and we were having this party, and this party was, and I don't, I'm not afraid to tell you, it was all about me, and that was the way God intended it, <laughs> right? So we had dinner, and we, had, we were going to have cake, and there were presents, and every one of those presents had my name on it, praise God, because that was, it was an anointed day, right? That was the way it was going to go. Just before present time, my cousin, who was about a year younger than me, decided to start doing things that were funny and cute. And so people started giving him attention instead of giving me attention. Somehow he didn't get the email that the party was all about me, not him. And I remember getting so frustrated because this is my party and he's the one who's getting attention and it wouldn't stop. And so just before present time, I remember I was so frustrated. I walked right over to him and I just spit at him. Yeah, 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 yeah. See the work Jesus will do in your life? I haven't spit for over 40 years on anybody like that. But that day I did, because that was my party. That was the moment that my father pulled me aside for a special birthday surprise, right? (laughs) And part of what my father wanted me to know was that here in your anger and insecurity, you're missing out on gifts that I have to give to you. 
you're missing out on the love of people who love you. You're missing out on great things because you're so worried about somebody else or something else that it's caused the distance between you and the relationship that really matters. And where it really matters is that you're right with the Father. Live in relationship with the Father. Look, before you go spitting mad at the world, stop and ask yourself, what do I need from my Father? Like, is it forgiveness? Is it acceptance? Do I not feel like I have value? Do I feel like I don't matter? That I don't have purpose? That, that I'm lost in some way? That I feel offended? And be willing to say, Father, I gotta bring it all right back down to the only thing that matters is my relationship with you. Once we get a hold of that, and we live in relationship with the Father, it puts us in a place where we can step into the second remedy for the older brother attitude, number two, which is very simply, love your brother, that you find a way to love your brother. Here's what's interesting about this whole story. In the first century, in the, in the Jewish context, if there was an issue between a son and a father, do you know whose role it was to be the reconciler? The older brother. All along, the older brother should have been the one to step in and bring reconciliation to the father and the son. He should have been the one to bring healing to the relationship. Instead, now he's the one standing back and rejoicing when his brother is far from home and struggling when he comes home. And he was having a hard time loving his brother. Sometimes we have a hard time with other people's victories, don't we? Uh, you don't, but I do sometimes. You ever had that moment? where you go, that's cool, but why them? Or maybe even more dangerously, why not me? When instead, how much more healthy would it be in our hearts if when we saw those things, we said, praise God, God, for what you're doing in their life. Now, God, how can I live in a way so you can bless me as well? It's a totally different response, isn't it? And celebrate those things and choose to love our brothers choose to love our sisters and choose to live a life that is consistent because for this guy who's out there and saying I do everything right we see nothing but a disregard and a lack of love in his life which seems to be in conflict doesn't it here's what Jesus or excuse me here's what John the apostle says 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 we love because he first God first loved us and whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister this bugs me cuz that's a strong word isn't it if you claim to love God and yet hate your brother or sister, you are a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So I do well to watch my attitude to make sure that that older brother is not bubbling up inside of me and kind of take a look and go, am I able to say that I love others and does it really come out in my life? There have been times when I have left really good church services to get really frustrated at a traffic light on the way home. Anybody else? Some of the most unkind things I say to other drivers in my car by myself. Can I get an amen, anybody else? <laughs> yes, you do. You don't you even try to, oh, not me. Yes, you do. Right, there's those moments, and it's like, okay, what's going on here? Because <laughs> I'm supposed to be filled with love, but how did I respond with that lack of love in that moment? Does that make sense? Like, we need to watch for that. Here, here's what James says, because it's often with our words. James chapter 3, verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Do you see the discrepancy here? The dissonance there? We praise our Lord and Father, and then we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. It's true about our words. I wonder, I wonder if James rewrote that in 2021. If he might say, with the same keyboard or cell phone, we praise our Lord and Father and then post curses about human beings who have been made in God's likeness. 
Out of the same social media come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not so to be. Like we, we say we love our brothers and sisters, and we post John 3.16, and then follow it up with the most negative comment about a sports team, or a politician, or who knows what, and it leaves the world going, something doesn't seem right about that. Can I tell you one of the big things that keeps younger brothers from coming home? Oftentimes it's older brothers who say they love, but really don't. God, are there places in my life where I need your love to come through? And it's not easy to do. So how do you do it? Well, you live in a relationship with the Father and you love your brother. And then here's the third thing, number three, and this, this is key to the whole thing. You celebrate what the Father celebrates. Like if I'm gonna know the Father, then I need to be willing to celebrate the things that he celebrates. We'll look at this more next week, but this Luke chapter 15 has story after story after story of things that are lost and then when they're found, there's a party. And they celebrate the things the Father celebrates to, to the point that Luke chapter 15, verse 10 says this, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Isn't that cool? I mean, all the things that we celebrate, this is the thing it says that heaven celebrates. That when someone is made right with God, that there's rejoicing. I wonder if I really searched my heart. I wonder if I rejoice more when I'm right than I do when someone else is made right. And that I allow the Holy Spirit to show me the places that maybe I, I focus on, that are my emphasis, that really aren't the heart of the Father, to see the lost come home, see lives changed, to see families reconciled, to see truth win out, to say, God, help me to see things through your eyes not just through my own offense, and celebrate what the Father celebrates. What if they made a, what if they made a movie out of this story? Like it's, it's, it's packed in just these 30-some verses where we've got characterization that's built. I mean, we've got the drama, right? You've got the kid that leaves home. You've got the dad who's heartbroken. You've got the wild living in the, in the, in the big city. And then in act two, he comes home, you know, and the dad welcomes home. You got all that kind of stuff. And then you get to this next part where it's the, it's the son and the father and you kind of have this showdown out there. Meanwhile, right? You know, you got that going on. And you, you get to this point where the son's like, look, dad. And the dad's like, my son and all this kind of, and cut. And the movie ends like right there. And you're like, wait a minute. How, how's this thing end? Does anybody remember VHS tapes? Anybody remember? And you would record your show. And what would happen is if the football game went long in the afternoon, you'd miss the end of 60 minutes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember that? Because you, 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 you're like, hey, how does this end? I don't know how this ends. Hey, Jesus, finish the story. But he holds up a mirror and he says, do you see yourself in this story? If you do, then you have a choice. You get to decide how it ends. Because when this story tragically ends, the older son is still outside. And while everybody else is inside close to the father, He's the one who's still outside, far from home. 2012, there was a group of tourists from all over the world. You had people from Europe, from Asia, from the United States, from Africa. There were people from all over the world who were on this tour bus in, in the nation of Iceland. And they were traveling all over, and they didn't know each other. They, they just, they just kind of started, you know, as they were on this tour bus for the day, traveling and seeing things, they start to kind of notice people. And so they'd gone to their last stop, and they were on their way back to drop people off at the hotel. And so at the last stop, for some reason, this woman decided to run in and change her clothes for whatever reason. Nobody knows why. So she, she went from wearing a real dark outfit to wearing something that was more, you know, kind of light colored and stuff. And she gets back on the bus, and they're like, okay, is everybody on the bus? And somebody goes, where's that? There 
there was, a, there was an Asian lady who was sitting right behind me. Does anybody know where she is? Well, she's in a different seat now, and she's wearing different clothes. People are like, no, we don't know. We don't know where she is. Where is she? And everybody's like, well, we don't know where she is. And she's like, yeah, I don't know where she is either. <laughs> and so they all decide to get off the bus, and they start looking for this lady. And they're all kind of looking for her, and they're trying to figure out, hey, where is she? And is she lost? And people are looking. They call out a search party. They're actually starting to get concerned because it's now dark. And at one point, people are like, hey, we're going to need the Coast Guard to send in a chopper. You know, it's all this stuff. And they don't know where she's at. I don't know what time she disappeared. I just know that the news story says that it was 3 a.m. when finally somebody looked at her and said, aren't you who we're looking for? <laughs> for hours, this woman <laughs> looked for herself not reeling that she was the one that was missing. The chief of police said this when, when they asked him in the news article. They said, this woman simply didn't recognize the description of herself. This woman simply didn't recognize the description of herself and had no idea that she was missing. My concern today, and I know this, this has been very different from the last couple of weeks, right? But this is part of the story. Oftentimes, I think it might be the older brothers that keep the younger ones from coming home. So this is, this is really important for us to talk about. My concern coming into today is that I would spend 40 minutes talking about this attitude, and you'd go, yeah, I know some people like that. I hope they were listening. <laughs> That for the last 40 minutes, God's word has been kind of highlighting some things in your life, and you're willing to just kind of leave them there online or, or turn the TV off or just walk out of the building. My big fear is that for the last 45 minutes, the Holy Spirit's just kind of been giving you that nudge. Not your spouse, the Holy Spirit's kind of been giving you that nudge and going, hey, you got a little something right here. And I'd love to see if you and I could change that. Because the longer you stay stuck in this place, the more you miss celebrating my best for your life. And that you would hear this description today of some things that may be going on in your life. And you would spend hours or days or weeks or months or years wandering around and not realizing that God was shining a spotlight on something in your heart, not because he's angry, not because he's mad, but because the Father is saying to all of us, I just want you to come home. So could you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? This room, Auditorium 2, listening to a podcast, watching on a screen somewhere, just take a moment and would you say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to miss your voice. Here's who I'd, I'd love to see maybe just respond before we wrap up. First, it could be that you're here today and this whole time you've been saying, man, do I relate to that younger son. I know that I've wandered from home. I know that I've been gone from the father. And I don't want to live that way anymore. And today I need to come home I need to ask Jesus to forgive me. I need my heavenly father to give me grace and acceptance. And today I need to begin again a relationship with Jesus Christ and give my life to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand in this room watching somewhere? You just say, I don't wanna run anymore. I need to come home. Yeah, thanks, thanks. You can raise your hand, put it right back down. Anybody else? You say, today I need to begin that relationship with him. Here's what I want to do before we, before we go any further. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Spirit's doing in your heart because you're in a room full of people who have chosen to follow Jesus and know the difference that he makes in our lives. And so I want to pray a prayer together of just an opportunity for you to act on that moment. Would you, if you're comfortable, those of you that know Jesus as your Savior and Lord and those who want to come home today, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son because you love us so much to die for our sins. I ask today for your forgiveness. Be my savior. 
I give my life to you, my risen Lord. I come home to your love today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, look, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe you've prayed it for the hundredth time, but today's the day that you say, look, I need to come home. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Right after the service, if you could go out to our new here area, there's friends that are there that would love to pray with you. We have a Bible we want to give to you that's easy to read and understand and just talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you're watching online or on television, you can go out to our website and just a spot you can click there that just says Jesus and learn more about him right there, what he can do in our lives. Also, down below in the comments, if you're watching live right now, we have a Zoom room that you can jump into. You can just click on as soon as we're done with this service. Friends that are there that would love to pray with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But before we're done, can I ask you one more time just to bow your heads and close your eyes? (laughs) And if in the last few moments you've seen some red flags of that older brother attitude in your life, I wanna pray with you that you'll address the symptoms today so the sickness doesn't get any worse. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that shines a spotlight on our hearts. And for some of us today, this is a moment of some repentance where we need to ask your forgiveness for a stubborn anger, for times when we've been always right and never wrong, for when we've been so focused on offense that we missed the blessing that you wanted to bring in our lives through these tough times maybe ways that we've been dismissive of others when when your heart was for us to welcome them home instead. And so today, God, would you help us to be right with the Father? That we would find our value and our purpose and our meaning in our heart and relationship with you. Lord, would you help us to love our brothers, even when it's not easy, even when it's difficult? Would you help us to love our brother and then to celebrate the things that you celebrate as well? Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for the way that it speaks to us, the way that it changes us. May we not resist it, but may we welcome your word at work in our hearts so Holy Spirit we can celebrate the good things you're doing in our lives Lord thanks for this time together as we go from here we ask that you'd go with us would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace and we ask this in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen hey God bless you thanks for being here have a great week we'll see you next Sunday